It's Monday, November 13th, 2023. This is the Rook Roundtable. Welcome to the Rook Roundtable. I'm Gian Gomeshi. Hello to you from Toronto, from Canada. Salam Dustan Aziz. Thank you for joining us from wherever you are in the world today. Conversations from to and about the Iranian diaspora and beyond. This is the Monday Roundtable where we examine, discuss, debate issues and ideas of the week and the Iranian diaspora in the studio. She's our regular Rook Roundup specialist, not to be confused with the round table. <laughs> yes. Uh, and a producer for us here, Smart Pega Ganji. Hello, Pega. Hello. Also in the studio, an Iranian Canadian marketing strategist and designer, Resonant Raha Ru. Hi, hi, hi. The triple R. That's me. Hi, Raha. Hello, Shane. You know, there's, uh, before we get to the round table items, uh, and today we have. Um, we have the end of the end of quote unquote Charshan Basuri. Uh, we have the Ministry of Education in Iran mm-hmm. uh, gendering textbooks uh, uh, so that they should be putting out an edict or suggesting that they're going to make textbooks completely different for boys and girls. Something they've talked about before, but um, what a horrible d- direction that uh, the country continues to go in. We've got um, Iranians in the diaspora in protest or crossfire. We'll explain what that means, but it, it has to do with the issue of the war going on with Israel and, and Gaza and the Palestinians and Hamas and, and where Iranians fit in. And some interesting news today breaking from Manoto, the TV network, and we'll get to that, and the Manoto memo that came out. But first, something I really didn't want to talk about um, you didn't want to talk. I about? did not want to talk okay. about this because, it, although it is more, um, it's 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 a, it's it's an issue that is, I would say, if not more important, mm-hmm. um, certainly more devastating mm-hmm. than most of mm-hmm. the things on that. Oh, uh, I feel like we're gonna hear the bell. Well, no, it's not. The, it's not oh, about Arsenal. Okay. See, there it is. <laughs> I worked in Arsenal. No, it's uh, it's it's worse than that. It's it's Gormisabzi smell. <laughs> I wanted to oh just give my. you an update. Okay. Uh, do you know this story? Yes. You've heard yeah, that. You I, listened I to the here. show. I was here. Oh, you were here. We were, we yeah. were talking oh, about it. Oh, I thought it, it was on the Thursdays me. when no, no, no. Resident Raha is not here. No, no so, she had the genius idea of um, having a car wash yeah. dedicated to... Oh, that's right. Yes. Your suggestion was to sell my car. Yes, get yeah. rid of it. But uh, that's right. The car. That's, you did have the genius. That was like at least a week ago, <laughs> right? Yeah. So a week has passed. I... No, no, you don't understand. I've cleaned the car. I've used, I've pretty much gone through the local hardware store, you know, shelf of cleaning cleaning products. I have done whatever I could. I have, now, there were some bags that were in the backseat of my car. Mm. I think I mentioned this. Yeah. And the Gormasabzi, when my mother's Gormasabzi, my wonderful mother, Mm -hmm. this is not a reflection on my mother. It's a reflection on my own malice at spilling the Gormasabzi. You actually didn't listen to your mother. That's correct. If I recall the story correctly. That is correct. The answer to all of my problems is listening, if I'm not listening to my mother enough. 
my wonderful mother. So, but she did happen to give me uh, some gorbis sabzi with a faulty Tupperware uh, <laughs> container. And anyway, so it ends up spilling, and this is a you know, as everyone knows, a disaster right. for uh, Iranians, um, and not to mention the rest of the world. So, it, there were some. I just want to explain the um, the extent to which this gorbis sabzi, this this concoction that mm-hmm. Iranians have developed. This terror, terrorizing, you know, thing. Uh, how how strong it is? Like how? Because it, the the gourmet juice spilled, juice. <laughs> not all over the, not just all over the back of the car, but uh, and by all over, I mean just a little trickle. But that was enough right. to do the damage. It's like bleach; a little bit gets on, and, and yeah. that's it. So, but it spilled on these these bags. Now, what were the bags? Here in Canada, when you go shopping now, mm-hmm. there's no longer any plastic bags because we are a quote unquote environmentally friendly of country, course. right? Mm-hmm. So you have to buy these bags mm-hmm. for 50 cents or a dollar that are reusable bags, yes. right? So my local supermarket, Metro, Loblaws, whatever, I buy these bags, right? Mm-hmm. You're with me so far. Yes. Yes. So I have about four of these okay. that I put in the back seat of the car. So when I'm going shopping, I take the bags in. Do you mm-hmm. actually? Because I always forget to take no. them in. And then I, I am just responsible have, like, and also uh, as low as a sat for you eat. Oh yeah! Ooh, I want to. Uh, good job. Thank you. I want to. Who wants to pay the fifty cents every time? I know, but it's like I, well, for, I forget it. This and then, is. I'm sorry. This is privilege. Oh, here we go. I knew. I knew privilege. he was going to say privilege. I mean, this is a, like a, this is a rich kid mentality. I or maybe I'll just buy another bag. No, maybe I, it's forgetfulness. Exactly, no, and I promise you, I'm not no. the only one. No, it's not forgetfulness. You are not. You. you I'm you, with you. you uh, Triple R is on my side So when here. you buy the b- new bags, what do you do with the other bags? I put them all in the back of the car, yeah, and then so now I just have bags. like a million yeah. bags in the Same. back of the car. Actually, you know what the move is? I mean, this is really not... Maybe this is about the Iranian diaspora. I don't know. The move is, because I saw somebody at uh, the, the checkout counter, mm-hmm. the, the woman actually suggested this once when I had forgotten my bags. Right. Just load the cart up, take it to your car, okay. and then put it in your bags. Good idea. You don't actually have to have them Bring. in the bags. Anyway, so I don't want to have to buy new bags. Right. I mean, these are 50 cents each. Come yes. on. It's a oh. recession. Okay. I right? know where this is going. The <laughs> Safajui is now coming up. The Safajui <laughs> is enough that, I mean, the, you know, nobody's ever going to go out with me. Like this. I thought I'm Telling this one here. <laughs> like, I just, I was brought up. To not waste, you know. So what do I do with these? And like Super P, oh you know, my trusty right hand person, she was like, "Just throw them out. Throw these bags out. They've been contaminated by the, by the. It's it's like it's like nuclear waste exactly. by the Corbis <laughs> Throw it out, right? But Just throw the bags can't out. Salvage those. These bags collectively cost two dollars. If you the four bags, oh they might even be five. So two fifty. Remind me to bring you some of my leftovers. <laughs> so so what do I do? I wash the bags. Oh no. I washed the bags in tide, tide sport, like you know, really strong detergent that I use for my gym clothes, you know, like nope. I'm gonna wash the bags, right? <laughs> and thinking I've I've got this beat now, this Gorma Sabzi mm-hmm. thing. Today, as I was uh, I, was, I went and did some grocery shopping. Right. I pulled out the bags in my fr- in the, and I mean the entire supermarket checkout counter turned around because sure of the smell did. of gourmet sabzi. I'm sure it doesn't. You could in a, in a rinse cycle, a 45 minute rinse cycle with <laughs> strong tide. I could not get it rid of that. I have to throw these bags out. Of course you do, and probably sell the car. 
Mm-hmm. If not total the car, because only, nobody's going to buy the car because it smells like Orma Sabzi. I mean, I only said this a week and a half ago now. I thought it was a joke. Just coming I didn't to this know I actually had to sell the car. <laughs> Listen, Orma Sabzi goes inside the like <laughs> atoms. Yes, the molecules. <laughs> Literally, the mo- yeah. yeah, fills the gaps of <laughs> the atoms. It really is like you ever see the movie Silkwood, like where they're no. near a nuclear reactor and they have to like wash themselves <laughs> with special. Like it's like. You get the Gormis Abzi and, you know, you can't escape it. No, it's no been way. weeks now. It's been Maybe it's time to throw out those bags, Gian. No, no, it's for sure. I mean, Please. listen, I spent at least the 250 on detergent trying to clean these things. <laughs> Between Triple R and I, I'm sure we can give you some bags of ours that are oh, stuck definitely. in the back of well, the, the car. Triple R was like, let's start a business. I know. Uh, I don't know what this business, what are you going to clean these? I mean, for, you need to find the product cleaners. to get rid of Gormis Abzi. That's the problem. But I'm sure some people know. Mm. Maybe you should pour some other kind of food on top of it. I think think you were right. I think something like bleach. Like it has to be something that's strong. It's like a superpower. Mm -hmm. It has to be something that's stronger than Gormasabzi to get rid of the... Chinese food. No. (laughs) Then we're mixing all sorts of smells. But you know what I just thought I still can't invite any non-Iranians into the car. At least the Iranians will get in and roll their eyes go, oh my God, Mm -hmm. who, you know... Did you have Hormuz Abzi recently? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, non-Iranians are just no not going to understand. And this is a blight on our culture. We don't want people to have bad <laughs> impressions of us. Of you know? course. Yeah. By Try. the way, somebody wrote to me after the, I was talking about this. A few people did. None, mm-hmm. none of them were helpful. They okay. were more, more or less laughing at me. But but one of them said Kubide is just as bad. It the is. The smell That's of Kubide. I agree. Oh, I agree. my oh, God. I don't yeah. think so. It doesn't last as long, does it? It doesn't last, but it's... Yeah, it has its own odor. Yeah. It's yeah. a horrific. It's Why are we eating these things? What is wrong with because us? Because they taste, they taste, <laughs> they taste and so smell good. good fresh. Yeah. It's when you leave them in the car and it spills and things like that. But try Coke, <laughs> actually. That's right. Spill the Coke. No, no, no. Try oh. washing those bags with Coke oh, oh. if you really or want. Or Sprite. Yeah, you're yeah. absolutely right. These bags. <laughs> these, <laughs> these fifty cent bags. I mean, if we're really trying to, I know my you. mother's going to be like, "Oh, Chirikovti, you sound so cheap." You know, you know, it sounds like we don't have anything. You know, my mother's going to be like, "Yeah, I can't win." You know. Anyway, I, the that's beginning. the update. It's a disaster. Don't come. Don't offer. I'm not going to give you a ride anywhere because you'll just regret it. You'll go home smelling like Ormasabzi, <laughs> although so tasty. Uh, mm, I mean, uh, it is Pega. I uh, like no, to differ. No, no. This <laughs> is <laughs> you're you're on the wrong side of history on this yeah, one. Maybe. Not liking Korma Sabzi. It's that's a, a sin. <laughs> um, speaking of um, my family, my I, I have a cousin that just got back like three days ago from Iran. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, and so I was asking, well, what's going on? Mm-hmm. What's you know? I mean, he was in Tehran, so I don't have the reports from you know Balochistan or right, something. He's course. in Tehran. Mm-hmm. Uh, economy really bad. Mm-hmm. Everything really expensive yeah. compared yeah. to what it was. So we know that. Mm-hmm. He said people are out though. He said the cafes were all really busy even late into the night. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of women not wearing hijabs, like not wearing yeah. rusaris. Okay. Uh, um, and uh, from his standpoint, not a lot of revolution talk. Not a lot of people mm. uh, agitating in the streets. Um, um, nor from his position of where he was hanging out in, in Tehran where there were a lot of people talking about Israel and Gaza and stuff. Oh. Which is interesting That to me. is interesting. That is something that clearly is top of mind in North America. Mm-hmm. But maybe as a product of 
the lack of migration to <laughs> Iran at this point for either uh, Jews or Palestinians. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there there there's not a bunch. There's no diaspora now yeah. as much anyway in Tehran of people who have a direct stake in in um, what's going on there. I don't know if that's what. So the one thing though, when he was saying he was saying that there were lots of women not wearing rusaris and we mm-hmm. keep hearing about the these hijab laws you know um the becoming more oppressive again and of course i mean we definitely know look at armita mm-hmm. the sad story of a, another young woman dying based on a confrontation with the morality police this is something that comes up with iran because the other thing he said is he said um yeah i, I was walking my brother's dog mm-hmm. my other cousin has a dog and i was like walking wait you can walk the dog, isn't it, Iran? You're not allowed to. <laughs> and he's like, Aradiga, come on. Of course, you can walk the dog. They sometimes they'll tell you, don't. You know, you shouldn't go. You know, and this is the this is the problem with assessing <laughs> Iran from afar because everything you say. Mm-hmm. I mean, Iranians have lived with this, yeah, and they kind of go, yeah, well, of course, yeah. I mean, that's the way, and 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 it's so no it becomes so normalized mm-hmm. that it's not outrageous right it's like it's like the notion of anyone having an issue with anyone walking a dog mm-hmm. is crazy to me yeah but to my cousin it's like yeah well, yeah well you know of course yeah but you know we still walk the dog mm-hmm. i mean it's a it's it's this bizarre paradox right. of whether we should consider these things a big deal which they are or we shouldn't consider them a big deal because you can't spend your life for those living inside Iran with your hair on fire, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, well, this is our reality and yeah. we're going to go out. And like he was saying, an interesting nuance that I hadn't thought of. He was saying um, uh, his, like some of his friends and, and our family, they would not wear the Rusari when they were out, but if they got in the car, they would put the Rusari back on. Mm-hmm. You know why? Yeah. The, the cameras and things. That's yeah. right, because the, the license plate. Yeah. Like if you're just hanging out in a cafe, they don't know who you are, but no. if you're in a car, they can track you yeah. on the, with a... I thought and that they was give really you big fines, actually, if you're in the car. That's why when they get into the gar- car, they have to wear a job. At the very least, they give you some hefty fines. Yeah, like if it's the third <laughs> strike or something, then you're in uh, in trouble, right? In big trouble. But yeah. you know, as you were saying this, it's, it's funny because I, I'm sitting here and I'm not surprised by any of that. No, like, it's not surprising. You know, you're you're, you're yeah. saying the dog thing and the hijab and not wearing scarves and people being in cafes and things like that. I mean, none of that is shocking to me. And yet at the same time, like you said, it should be. Because at the core of it, why should there be a law that prohibits you from walking your dog in no and and even for the average iranian Mm -hmm. who on the one from from who are in iran like our my family or who you meet who've just come from iran or or in the same minute they'll say something like come on it's not so bad in iran we all we're living our life we're doing our thing this is this is all propaganda that you know and then 30 seconds later, oh, if there's, oh, our situation in Iran is terrible. Like whatever. So, I mean, it's, it's a living paradox, yes. right? It's a, it's a, what do you do with that? And certainly after 45 years, you can't, you can't just be, I mean, you, you can't be angry and depressed 24-7. Mm-hmm. You have to live a life. Mm-hmm. You have to go to the gym or, you know, walk your dog or whatever, right. despite the rules and regulations. You were going to yeah. say something. Resonant. No, I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say that. Triple um, R. Triple R. <laughs> Um, as someone who's lived in Iran for the good like 16 years, 15 and a half years of my life, um, the system brings you like the system that you live in um, gets you used to this duality. You live in a 
constant duality and you get right. used to it right. okay so i would wake up and my family was not religious um i used to have really great relationships with my cousins who were boys and we would play and we would like sit down no one had a hijab or anything but as soon as i were to get out of the house mm-hmm. i was to wear this hijab and this was from from the age of six when i started to go to school so the the thing that that created in my mind was okay there are rules but i can break the rules Mm -hmm. when Mm -hmm. no one's watching and that's exactly there's also the the egalitarianism of inside the house versus the exactly the discrimination outside the house and 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 you see that culture ingrained and then especially in the newer generation who had who didn't live at all before the revolution of okay we're used to saying something but doing something else Mm -hmm. we're used to doing something but inside we feel something else you even hear persians say this about sorry um iranians say this about one another of you know like we are two-faced two-faced and like the the duality lives in all of us because we're we're used to that we're trained to lie yeah from such a young age i think for anyone who's ever lived in iran Mm. um especially post-revolution you know i i spent five years of my life there Mm. very minimal in comparison to Mm -hmm. so many others and yet exact this what you're saying is something that i vividly remember Mm -hmm. that there were Mm -hmm. things that you did or said or heard or watched or you know whatever else inside the house but the minute that you went outside you didn't Mm -hmm. so you know from such a young age it's like you're taught that the private sphere is so different than the public and this mistrust and almost this guard that you build from such a young age is because of those circumstances exactly and there are so many ways around it like here in in canada um if if you get caught there there is almost zero chance that you can get out of it without paying for what you've done right Mm -hmm. um but in iran like i if if you say i have a cousin in this ministry or i have a cousin in there you can you can easily get out of it and most people i think do but that but but the normalization or the the, the, which is necessary Mm -hmm. to live one's life is also the the problem right it's 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 where it's where the revolution the uprising um has a has a has an issue Mm -hmm. falls into a pothole because it's hard to get people um as as angry and as frustrated as their as as Iranians inside Iran can get and, mm-hmm. and should get, it's hard to push you off the ledge in terms of anything happening that is going to be shocking enough mm-hmm. to elicit an answer that isn't. Well, this is the way it is. Exactly. What are we? I mean, this is what we've been living with. So, and do we really want to take the next step and put our lives more in danger by sending our kids into the streets to to fight against the Basij or the the military mm-hmm. or whatever? Exactly. This is what you know. We've figured out how to work this. You know, uh, work within this horrible system. Yeah. And and it's both the, it's it's admirable that Iranians have figured out a way mm-hmm. to kind of subsist or survive in this, but also it is endemic it's the problem exactly. because exactly. how do you have an uprising how do you have a successful revolution when you've if adapted. ultimately everybody's kind of going oh, yeah. this is the way it is and not only adapted but there's ways in which we can skirt it from time to time mm-hmm. you know i this is where i go with my girlfriend to not get caught and this is how we don't wear the and exactly. we have a great cafe and we don't and we all drink in the basements and you know so mm-hmm. it just becomes the, you know 
we we can't put our lives on the line at this stage. I'm, I, you know, I, I'm not speaking as someone who, uh, I'm not trying to speak for people inside Iran. Right. Obviously, I, I can't do that. But but just as an observation from my family, from people who were there, this is the constant battle, right? Mm-hmm. This is the this is the question mark, and 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 it's always interesting to me because having not lived there, it's always a surprise to me. It's like what, <laughs> it's like from from you know. Babak Amini's second album being banned and it's like dude it's a, it's an album of soft acoustic guitar music <laughs> instrumental guitar like yeah. how would that get banned you know and he's kind of like yeah that's the way it is right I mean to to the daily life issues that mm-hmm. are faced today it's it's something that can only come with the acceptance of living in a system with year after year after year after year and just going well what can we do about it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You should see the uh, reaction of people who come to visit Iran who are not Iranians, right? Um, so my family is originally from Esfahan, and Esfahan is a huge tourist, uh, touristic city. And still to this day, even with the regime and everything, we we Esfahan gets people. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. You've never been, have you? No. No. But I know it's beautiful. So I've I've met a lot of people in Esfahan who have come to just visit the city and um from from other countries and what they always say is we are surprised what we heard in the news is so different from what we are seeing uh, from people because life is actually very different people live here and you're like well yes but you (laughs) have to go into their homes and then you'll see something very different from what you're even seeing right now you know um, so yeah, and frankly, as much as I love Cambodia, it's like it's me going and staying in a hotel in Cambodia and going, "This country's great. Why is anybody complaining?" And somebody <laughs> who's you know living on the street kind of going, "Well, it's not entirely the way it is." And by the mm-hmm. way, there was a genocide here just not mm-hmm. that long ago, and you know, so um, the outsider doesn't always see the country for exactly what it is, too, right? Yeah. So maybe to you, the duality, or to people outside of Iran who are not Iranians. The duality doesn't really live because they're not inside the families or inside their homes, but it's something that's ingrained in us. And we haven't even started the roundtable yet. I know, but I just wanted to mention that the other thing I wanted to mention uh, that isn't an official roundtable topic, but but I don't know if you guys caught it this weekend. I thought it was interesting that in Canada and the United States, for those of you who are listening from outside of uh, North America, there were two pretty big media stories in non-Iranian media Mm -hmm. about the situation for Iranians, particularly about the IRGC and the dangers of um, agents of the Islamic Republic uh, and spies and and threats to those who have been active, Uh, Masih Al-Najad, Hamid Ismailiyoun. there was one on global news a kind of a, a long form video piece that ran i think yesterday and then 60 minutes the big american show mm-hmm. did a it was kind of a piece about Massey, but but um and i thought that that was um i, I don't think did you, did you see them did you want yeah you did yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and did you i mean th- there wasn't anything there that was going to be particularly new for mm-hmm. iranians who have been following this or anybody who's been listening to our show right. is not going to be like oh my god I saw this thing and there's a guy <laughs> named Hamid Ismailud who's getting threatened you know but I I do think it was positive that uh, uh, overall I don't agree with everything you know in terms of the, some of the TV decisions but but it was positive that these things aired uh, and that this information is getting out there and that um it was also a little bit interesting to see the in both pieces this sort of 
underlying thesis was like, oh my God, even in Canada, this can happen, <laughs> you know, whereas we've been talking about for a long time, yes. the issue of, of um, everything from Al-Ghazadez to, to IRGC spies mm -hmm. here in Canada and not putting the IRGC still on the terrorist list and, and the issues we have with that. But nonetheless, what did you think? I think it was great that they uh, shed a light on the fact that um, Iranians have, have been crying about, listen, these people are coming into this country and you have to, in, in, in um, America, in Canada, and in Australia, and you have to, because 60 Minutes in Australia also did a, a article on this, like a like a little uh, video, video piece, yeah. video pe uh, piece on this. And... Um, I, I think it's it's a big thing that that all these governments have to be aware of is um, you need to kind of look into who the who are the agents of IRGC and, and get them out of this country. And I think before these pieces, no one really um, took it seriously. But maybe now that there there are these pieces out. More people. Well, there has been. I mean, there mm -hmm. was a big. I think it was a Globe Mail or something did a yeah. big, a big article about it. There has been some takeouts on this, and there have been some. But you're right. I mean, it's it's yeah. every little bit helps, and and kudos to. I mean, Global News. I, yeah. I'm, I'm actually. I'm actually surprised. Yeah, I was I was impressed with Global TV. Yeah. Good good for them. They they you know they haven't seen a lot of that stuff from them. I, I'm guessing there's an Iranian. Uh, producer or somebody in there, somebody uh, Iranian Canadian who's yes. who's um, helped to, to who's passionate about mm -hmm. this. Yeah, good for them. I I thought that uh, you you have anything to add? I, I saw bits and pieces of it. I didn't watch um, the entire segment. But what I was gonna say, and I think this is something we've talked about so many times, is you know oftentimes we find quote unquote Western media um, kind of late to the party, if you will. Like we've been as Iranians, we've been screaming at the top of our lungs yeah. saying this yeah. for the last. You know, year and a it's half. It's not that sophisticated, too. It's it, not that's like, the thing. It's like, yeah. it's not, it, you by, know. by the way, this evil regime has spies here. I mean, it, it's, it's something that news. we've been said a million times. Exactly. Yeah, but, but somehow when it's packaged as a news show item, it's On like, 60 <gasps> minutes, it hits oh different. My God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, let's get to the roundtable and our four, four items uh, today. The first one, uh, I've titled it The End of Charshambe, Suri, and Shabi Yalda. Um, these are uh, celebratory events that happen in, in December of each year for Iranians and anybody who is of Iranian or Persian culture knows about these. Um, there's something called the Supreme Council of the Cultural Revolution. <laughs> I mean, you gotta love how these titles are always out of a, uh, you know, an Avengers movie, like a, the, the, the bad guys. You know, the Supreme Council of the Cultural Revolution, <clears throat> which is not the IRGC, Right, it's no, something. It's, not. it's another wing of the the regime has um, now officially said, if I have this correctly, mm -hmm. you guys correct me if I'm wrong. Has officially after years of kind of um, following Khomeini's edict post Islamic Revolution of of trying to basically extinguish um, Persianness from. Um, Iran, the cultural um, identity that has anything to do with uh, life other than under Islam. Um, this has been a, a, a an ideological um, mandate of, of this regime from day one. Mm -hmm. But now officially, when it comes to these two official celebrations, they've passed a resolution to, change, to officially change the names 
of Charshamba Sui and Shabba Yalda. So they reflect less on the celebration and more on um, something that uh, fits with their Islamic mandate. So <laughs> I love this. The Charshamba Sui is now called, I'm just, I'm doing the English translation, but um, the Cultural Day of Hospitality, Hospitality and Bonding with Kin Day. <laughs> doesn't really, doesn't really translate. Not but I don't all. even think in the Persian, it, it's it's very strong. But this is another step in the process of trying to um, have this kind of cultural dominion, Islamic dominion mm-hmm. uh, of Iran that will 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 suppress, oppress, and and get rid of any um, signs of of Persian culture, um, including Noruz, which mm-hmm. they're not fans of. It doesn't really work in in real life. There's there's still going to be jump over the fire ceremonies, exactly. but but it, it's not insignificant. Your take. I mean, I think it's very significant. But before I get to that, I wanted to point out something really interesting. This Supreme Council of Cultural Revolution actually came about um, in December of 1984. So it was created in the early stages of the revolution specifically for that reason. It was the the entire intent behind this council was to actually, um, you know, amplify the the message that that Khomeini was trying to exactly. to spread mm-hmm. so since then this has been in place and the the decisions made by this council actually can only be overruled by the supreme leader mm-hmm. so there is no way you know around this or anything like that and i think it's very significant because you know i look at it in two ways one is exactly what you were saying which is suppressing and erasing the anything that's left of this quote-unquote persian culture and and wanting to dominate every aspect of of iranians lives and you know not even allowing them to to share in in some of these cultural events but also i think when you look at it from a legal perspective because this is now officially being done Mm. they can actually legally take action against anyone who is celebrating so if you look at an event like charshan basuri for example we know we've seen that you know individuals go out onto the streets there's large gatherings there's you know happiness and and music mm-hmm. and dancing God and all forbid. these exactly Hold forbid. Yeah. that's right and so now that this is actually you know passed as a mandate it, it's judicially it's it's gone one step further it's that extra effort in inst- instilling fear in individuals even on days such as these right raha yeah i was actually going to say the exact same thing that um the cultural this um which is the Supreme Council uh, of the Cultural Revolution. Exactly. It came about um, after the revolution, obviously, and and we had something called the Cultural Revolution in Iran, which happened in 1980 um, until um, 1983, which is why it it was established in 1984, and it started with closing down all universities. So... um, in effect, what they're basically trying to do is take away all the culture and tradition mm-hmm. that I- Iranians have had for many, many years. Because it's a threat. Exactly. It's a threat exactly. to the existence of the Islamic Republic. And they're Republic. trying yeah. to create this divide. Traditions and cultures bring us together as a community. Mm-hmm. And there are people who are religious. There are people who are not. And the bigger the gap between these two the better it is for mm-hmm. for the regime, right? So that's another thing that they're trying to do is create a divide, I think, between people by hitting the core of the culture. But I suspect, much like my cousin with walking the dog, it's <laughs> this is not something, in fact, I mean, I tried it. I asked a couple of, even, yeah. even some of our team members, <coughs> you know, isn't this a big deal? And they kind of, yeah, you know, 
people are still going to do Chan Shabasuri exactly. and, and Shaba Yalda. They're not even going to change the name in terms of the lexicon, the, the, the dialogue that mm-hmm. Iranians have with each other. Oh, yeah, it's the regime doing their thing. So what is a big deal <laughs> becomes less of a big deal because we're, you know, we're, we're meant to get used to it and kind of roll our eyes and go, mm-hmm. whatever. But, you know, it, I, I was actually thinking the same thing as we were having this discussion is it's not going to affect anyone realistically on a day-to-day no one is going to be phased by this they're going to continue the celebrations they're still going to call it yanda they're still going to call it Shasha Masuri. but in some way i actually think that that is more detrimental mm-hmm. because you know if they're doing their own thing iranians are doing their own thing there's never going to be you know a resolution if you will there's never going to be an attempt to fix this problem and but don't I think you think over time it does have an effect how I don't know. Do 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 ten year olds in Tehran in Toronto in Tehran today um, refer to that um, beautiful tower as Maidana Shahiyad? I mean, or, I would be the wrong person to or ask. Or Maidana Azadi, right? Yeah. I mean, once I you rename things, once you change things, after yeah. a while, after a few generations, it it becomes what it is. No, but right? that's that's exactly what I was saying. I was saying that it's not a good thing because we're not fighting for. Uh. You know, that was my point is that, yes, on a day to day, it's less of a headache and people still do their own thing. But ultimately, over time, exactly as you're saying, it's almost like and I don't know, this might be, you know, controversial because I'm sitting on this side of the world. I'm not there. I'm not dealing with the day to day. But I almost think that, you know, it takes away from the fight, Mm. you know, against the Islamic Republic, Mm. which is what we've been talking about, at least, you know, here for but years and years again uh, yeah how can the the fight can't be 24 it can't be 24 7 yeah, i know really, i understand really that hard. yeah um it does this conversation and the supreme council of the cultural revolution uh intersects with item number two that we were going to talk about which is the ministry of education the minister of education <laughs> in iran saying that textbooks in school should become gender should be different for boys mm-hmm. and girls two different textbooks now this is something again that isn't entirely new in terms of the uh, the idea being out there in the ether um, from this regime, mm-hmm. but this is nev- another step towards potential actualization. Um, Raha, I was asking you before we um, we, we start recording, as somebody who grew up in Iran, mm-hmm. uh, I did not, you did, whether you had a different textbook as a girl than a boy would and you were saying no no um that there was just a couple of courses in the course of your whole schooling you want to speak to that yeah so um during the entire um school the 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 entire school kind of years that i was in iran um there were only two grades for which we only we had one book that was different from for guys and for girls um, and also, I have to add, the books that we studied were taken from before the revolution. And I was one of the last years to kind of grow in, th- grow in that system. Because after, I think three years after me, all the books changed mm. from grade one and then grade two. and then grade So <laughs> it w- it's funny that. But um, that, uh, we which wasn't that long ago, right? You're talking about what, 10, um, 15 years ago? I'm 29, so yeah. that would be Well, 15. when you were in high school, yeah. I, yeah. Uh, I was in high school around... Um, how many years ago was that? Fifteen. Um, yeah, I've been here fourteen years. So fourteen years ago, I was I was in Iran. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not what I'm saying ago. is, all the books didn't change in the 1980s after that. Exactly. Yeah. No. Yeah. 
Um, and in the seventh grade, Dobam Rahnamoy for us, seventh grade, we had a book, um, we, ha- we had a course, Herfo Fan, uh, which is Professions and Techniques in English. And um, in that course, girls would learn, and I, I have to add, um, girls and guys went to different schools, so we, mm. we, we were not in the same school. Uh, girls would learn more like sewing, cooking, knitting, right. things like that. And boys would focus more on welding, carpentry. Stereotypical. Exactly. So that was one. Yeah. And the other one was Dobam Dabirastan, so 10th grade for you. Um, and in, in this one was um, self-defense. And in our self-defense, we would we would learn on how to like treat patients and how to like give them shots or you know um, things like that. And and boys would would learn how to hold guns and you know um, how to. So what is your reaction to this new edict or this new idea that um, kids in school will have different textbooks, uh, boys and girls? It's, it's, it it sounds quite Taliban esque. I am well, pissed. except for the Taliban wouldn't allow the girls at all in exactly. the school, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Be- we're going towards we're going that. To Sorry, that's what I was going to say. This is this is a, us taking a step towards that system, which is what really pisses me off because it's not just like making making the books different; it's also stating that we're going to make make everything more Islamic. And what does that really mean? What does that entail? That girls are only going to learn to count and guys are going to learn to do radicals and, you know, like, you know, um, all the underlying message here is that women are not equal to men and they will not be treated equally. And that's, I think that's all we need to know about this. Pega? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I agree that it's an Islamization of, you know, education per se, but I I definitely recognize that. But what is it if it's not that? um, I think it it has more to do with the agenda of the Islamic Republic than it does with religion. Mm. I think religion is the tool that they use Mm -hmm. um, to say that this is what they're doing. But it has more to do with the fact that, you know, we just had a woman-led uprising for the last year and a half. They're recognizing that you know, they, that women are not going to sit by the sidelines. They're not going to stay silent. Mm-hmm. And this is an attempt at silencing them. Mm-hmm. This is, yeah. this is a step in the direction of silencing them. And what better way to do it than to limit their education and limit their access and limit their abilities and things like that. So I think it, again, it has more to do with their, with the Islamic Republic's agenda. But I also think that, you know, we've seen this in other places with the Islamic Republic as well. It's it's not just through education that we've seen mm. this gender segregation. We see it with the, the dress, with women having to cover their hair and, you know, yeah. the hijab. We see it with... But, some, but something, forgive me for cutting you off, mm-hmm. but something that makes me very sad about this is that in all of the, in all of the negative events and actions of the last 45 years under this uh, Islamic Republic in all of the atrocities and all of the in all of the discrimination around say women in the workforce uh, Mm -hmm. um, you know women on the streets being able to you know having to cover themselves all of that in in terms of freedom of expression freedom of um, um, existence uh, the one thing that or one of the things that Iranians would point out is a strong education system mm-hmm. where Iranian women 
do really well right. and graduate in larger numbers at, from university and are mm-hmm. brilliant, right? Yeah. I mean, that's one thing we've been able to hold on to and go, well, that's great. You mm-hmm. know, we're not sure what they can do after they graduate from university, especially currently in the economy and those statistics about the unemployment rate for women in Iran, et cetera. But the education exists and there's a lot of passion for that education and women are getting the education and a lot of them are bucking the tide and all that. This is the f- this this undermines that wonderful hope that ca- that comes from that education system mm-hmm. existing, right? I don't again. I don't know if I agree with that because it's this isn't new. Again, this is just like the walking your dog, and you know. So you don't think this will make a difference? I I personally, this is not the first time we've seen Iran's education minister or the Iranian Ministry of Education say things like this. This is oh, so it, you won't even happen? No, I'm not saying it's not going to happen. I mean, I I can't no magic mm. eight ball here, but it might. But what I'm saying is that this this like many other things is not news for anyone living inside Iran. I think a couple years back they had changed um, the textbooks for like really really young kids like I think it was like grade one or something like that because there was a section where it says like if and correct me if I'm wrong but like it says Baba Nandad Maman Abdad which is like mom gives water mm-hmm. dad gives bread and I think they had a problem with the fact that the mother was providing and there was all this conversation about you know changing that and every couple of years there's some ridiculous you know statement made by mm-hmm, someone mm-hmm. in the ministry and yet despite that we have the most amount of successful graduates but just, but, who are but female. i mean just to point out the obvious think about how insane this is oh it's crazy the, i mean the, the, the dialogue in in canada for example is a heated debate about gender pronouns mm-hmm. you know uh actually which are not an issue in, in farsi <laughs> but 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 uh, about something like that right, right. about microaggressions in university mm-hmm. you know and we're talking about separate textbooks it's for boys huge. and girls it's 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 huge it's pretty scary stuff it, it's horrible and it's very scary and don't get me wrong i am not justifying or excusing mm-hmm. or in any way shape or form saying are you that an this agent is, <laughs> that this is that this is do you correct. have any have you in the past had, had any association with the supreme <laughs> council of the culture of evolution yes bad mouthing them on on the round table absolutely but um going back to what i was saying before you accused me here um <laughs> what i was saying that i think this in fact is one of the reasons why we have so many strong and educated women in Iran. I mean, anyone I talk to, friends, family, whatever, they a lot of Iranian women will go into professions that are male-dominated. How many Iranian engineers do you know sure. that are female? Yeah. I, I know yeah. so many. Absolutely. And so many of them have said, you know, I specifically chose this because I wanted yes. to prove a point and be there and show that I am not only equal, but I can actually do even better than the men and all these things. And I think, again, no surprise, and the women will continue to defy and do what they will. You want to make any point, or the points have been made? I I feel like um, what my feelings are different from Pega. I feel like this is very big because um, the, although there are many educated families in Iran who will defy the system and teach their kids differently, um, there are also many who are not. Mm-hmm. There are there are uh, minorities mm-hmm. in 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 small cities um, whose only way of whose only way to education are these schools and if these textbooks become any different and they become kind of um how do you say it like um 
I don't know, I don't know how to put it. Like if, if they become different for for women, for girls and boys to in in a way in an Islamic way, and in a way that d- doesn't teach anything to girls, we're gonna have a huge issue because yeah. our next generation is going to be consisted of 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 girls who have not. We we anything. all know textbooks are a big deal. Of course, I mean that we d- we debate here again. Why hasn't there been more inclusion of the First Nations? You know, right. in in Canadian history textbooks. Uh, <laughs> I mean that again. That this, it it boggles the mind that you could even suggest this yeah. anywhere in the world in 2023. Mm-hmm. But um, there we have it, um, the Islamic Republic, ladies and gentlemen. Um, let's go to item number three. Iranians in protester crossfire. <laughs> I I wanted to bring this one to you guys and and hear from you because. The, there was a video that I saw on the weekend. I think it was a demonstration that was happening in London, England. Mm-hmm. And it was a pro-Palestinian demonstration, which looked mostly very peaceful and and certainly very successful. And, you know, there was a lot of people out in the streets. But there was a guy, there was a video of a guy who was an Iranian guy, and it was shot by Iranians because you could hear them talking about him, uh, um, who was holding up a sign that says Hamas it's um, ISIS. equals I- ISIS. Mm-hmm. And some of these, um, well, I don't even know. I mean, pro-Palestinian or pro-Hamas, I don't know who they were. Some of these protesters see the guy, and I'm, I'm assuming a lot of people might have seen this video, but if you haven't, they end up sort of first trying to take away the sign mm-hmm. and then basically physically assaulting this guy and, and chasing him away. Right. Um, these things happen on demonstrations. There are all kinds of fringe groups on demonstrations. There's all kinds of things that, that occur that, that cannot be only viewed in a microcosm. So I'm always careful that, you know, if there's one video of one, some lunatic at a demonstration mm-hmm. to not cast all of the people at the demonstration by one brush and go, well, they're looking, you know. But I thought this was interesting. Again, something that we've talked about a few times in this program over the last few weeks since October 7th and since the latest um, uh, horrific sort of war that's happening between Israel and and Hamas or the Palestinians and, and first the, the loss of life in Israel that was horrendous and now the, the massive loss of, loss of life in Gaza that's, that's, that's terrifying and horrendous to watch. We've been talking about the weird place that Iranians find themselves in this because um, even if you are sympathetic and many people would make many cases for their reasons to be with the Palestinian cause Mm -hmm. even in this scenario you are also keenly aware that Hamas is supported by this murderous Islamic regime that we've just spent the last year attacking Mm -hmm. so we know that when the for because it's killing its own people. So we know that when the Iranian guy holds up a sign saying Hamas equals ISIS, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of background and history to holding up that sign, presumably for this guy, that goes beyond what happened on October 7th and Mm -hmm. whether the reaction is too much or not. And and so it it was a reminder, like I just felt, oh, you guys, you, you guys who are attacking this guy, he, I mean, I don't even—I don't know the guy. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe he's—you know—who knows? But, but I—I I presume he's got reasons that run deep. Maybe something's 
maybe what maybe he's he's the sibling of a, of a family member who's been killed by the Islamic Republic um, and he is feeling this anger towards Hamas and mm-hmm. wants to clarify this for the Palestinian protesters uh, the pro-Palestinian protesters and and the fact that that gets lost mm-hmm. in this oh this guy knee-jerk reaction this guy must be um, pro-Israel a pro-Israel right. anti-Palestinian you know yes. um, when again to state the obvious that we know the the leaders of the Islamic Republic of, of Iran couldn't give a fuck about the Palestinian people mm-hmm. um, and never have actually done anything that, to support the Palestinian people right. other than issue these plaudits that are part of their ideological agenda of spreading the gospel of Islam their version of Islam etc mm-hmm. so it was an interesting video to watch it wasn't the first time we see these kind of we're experiencing these weird moments where I see my friends uh, part of a pro-Palestinian demonstration and then on the same demonstration I see Islamic Republic flags mm-hmm. <laughs> go, that's the flag that we were just demonstrating against exactly. how do we make sense of this Pega. yeah I mean it's so funny that you say that I have a very dear friend who is Palestinian and we oftentimes and actually we we went to school together we both studied poli sci we we grew up you know at demonstrations and you know having lots and lots of these kind of conversations and so i actually i I posed this question to her i said you know i would love your take on this because to me as an iranian having seen what took place the last year and a half and the last at least 30 some odd years of my life and knowing what i know about the islamic republic it's very easy for someone like me to say the islamic republic the irgc terrorist organization horrible you know, all sorts of things. Why is it not the same for Palestinians to recognize that about Hamas? And, you know, something that she mentioned to me was was kind of eye-opening and, and really simple, but at the same time eye-opening. And, and she mentioned that, you know, first of all, Hamas is recognized as a terrorist organization in a place like Canada because Hamas in Canada is very, very different than Hamas in Palestine. When What you have in, in a place like Canada or sometimes outside of Palestine, if you will, are, are bad actors exactly that's the first thing the second thing is that what most people have to remember and this is what she was mentioning to me is that right now Hamas is a resistance movement or or that's what a lot of Palestinians feel because they're the only ones trying to liberate the land and you know it's not the same as an ISIS style terrorist organization and the views of people who you know are perhaps under occupation and 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 in that position so i think that that's where the distinction is and she was saying that when someone is at a demonstration perhaps holding up a sign all of that is lost in translation with a sign that says hamas equals isis um and that was part of the conversation now my take on it was that you know the nuances that that we often talk about with the islamic republic and so many people not recognizing them it made me wonder are there perhaps nuances that we don't know of in the same context with Hamas and Palestinians and this mm. this ongoing conflict. Yeah. There isn't for me <laughs> when it comes to Hamas. There really mm-hmm. isn't. Uh, and it feels personal for me. Yeah. It's like I I you know, these the the the, the people who went and um f- fucking killed people at a music at festival a music yeah. are are that is very consistent with the Islamic Republic of mm-hmm. Iran for me. And it's personal and I don't fucking the support of the the IRGC for uh, the, the the Islamic Republic for Hamas cancels Hamas for me. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that is a different position from not um, 
not having extreme problems with carpet bombing of Gaza exactly. and, and killing innocent people and uh, Palestinians, etc. Mm-hmm. Th- but that's my point that we can't that that this is a, this puts Iranians in a some some Iranians like this guy who's at the rally with the Hamas mm-hmm. equals ISIS thing in a in a weird position yeah. because no one's stopping to go interesting well why would you have that position buddy mm-hmm. they're 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 attacking them exactly. right exactly but you know can i i want to pose a question and this is something that i genuinely have have kind of struggled with it over the last you know since october 7th do you think that as iranians we're overplaying the hamas and islamic republic connection because the reality is whether we want to admit this or not mm. There is something to be said about the dangers of this because it's a pretext to widening the conflict in the region. It really is. If sure. You, if you look at and it, and some on a would say we scale, are overplaying it. Some would say the big relationship is Islamic Republic and Hezbollah, not yes. Hamas, etc. But I mean, you have the Abdullah. You, know, you, you have the supreme leader mm-hmm. cheering Hamas on. Exactly. I mean, you know, what do we need and, to and know? And that's the problem: is that you see images like that. You're not cheering the Palestinians on, by the way. Yeah. Cheering of on it's Hamas. Never, it's never about the the people. It's yeah. always about those organizations. Yeah. Wow. Oh. Um, the first thing I just... <laughs> We're doing a round table. <laughs> and I'm listening very intently. I'm like, this is very interesting. <laughs> so uh, the first thing I did when I watched that video was I searched um, what percentage of Palestinians are pro-Hamas. Because to me, just like you, Hamas is a terrorist organization. Um, it's not recognized as a terrorist terrorist organization as it is... IR- as is not the IRGC mm. recognized as a, a no, it terrorist. No, it is. It is. Uh, Hamas is on the t- uh, terrorist list. Yes. In Canada, yes. In Canada. In Canada. The IRGC oh, is okay, not. Okay, yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, but then t- I was like, because one of the arguments that everyone's making is people who are in left in Palestine are, are kids and, and women who who have not had a vote when, it w- when, when they voted Hamas in. So why should they be killed? But now the attack was made from, made by by a few a few uh, it, it was kind of like kids almost like our m- my age weren't they like the the people who who um attacked this guy with oh the i sign. see i was wondering which attack we were talking <laughs> about the, the, the guy who was yeah they were, t- were it looked really like they were young, young people who you know? were yeah so one of the things that 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 caught that caught my attention was because of this conflict even if if people weren't um siding with hamas and they they wanted hamas gone as pega said now they're looking at it as a resistance and now they're siding with hamas because it's the only force that's kind of keeping them alive in a way you know what i mean well i th- yes i mean i think pega you you what you i i dare say your friend if if, if they're listening will 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 should feel like you did them justice i think you explained that situation mm-hmm. very well of how they may view hamas i don't think that um necessarily changes the the reality of what happened on october 7th Absolutely and what's not. happened yeah, after october yeah. 7th and how it's horrific on all sides and for all sure. that but and and but but i mean for my my interest is how how this where this sits for iranians in the diaspora mm-hmm. and i have to say that I have dear friends who are really, really, you know, pro-Israel on this one, who oh, are yeah. just kind of like, hey, man, this, you know, this this country has has been with us on getting rid of this regime, and, you know, these are... And I have friends who are on the demonstration, on the pro-Palestinian mm-hmm. demonstrations, and who are big time in the free Palestine, you know, um, movement. But I also know a lot of people, and maybe more than 
the 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 folks on on uh, on those demonstrations on on uh, on the either side, who are in the in, who are Iranians who are kind of befuddled about our position mm-hmm. on this because there's the intersection of how the Islamic Republic is involved here, exactly. you know, and that makes it m- more difficult to Very. have a black and white view of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've said enough about that. <laughs> Should we move on? Yes. Lines have bl- blurred. And it yes. is what it is, I guess. Well, I don't know what you. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> what is no, what I'm it saying is. like yeah. the, the lines of 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 everything have blurred in this conflict. Like there there's a humanitarian side of looking at it, and um, that's when I go, p- like Palestinians are dying, and I'm sad about it because it's kids involved. And it's like yes. you can t- yeah. like it's it's horrible. You know, it's it's human yeah. genocide. And the, on the other side, Hamas really is a terrorist organization because what they did on October 7th, I mean, it's it's mind-blowingly. Yeah. Mind it's weird how it, sometimes it's, it's not even like some of the debates and demonstrations and stuff we're seeing, they're not even about Israel and no, Gaza no. anymore. It's like it's a whole other thing. Yeah, you know? it's that's why I'm saying the and, lines have blurred. And, it's, because and, and particularly worrisome when it comes into, when it comes to, castigating entire numbers of peoples as mm-hmm. as uh, bad actors or whatever um finally this uh this news that came out today so there's a tv network called manato a mm-hmm. persian language uh, uh, iranian tv network uh, iranians will know it it's very popular inside iran particularly for its cultural programming we mm-hmm. ha- we recently had um one of the news anchors however on our show fashion mutaki wonderful guy yes. who's a very handsome uh Khoshtip guy <laughs> who um who reads the news there but we've also had um um, folks like uh, Shin Nasseri and others who have who've been part of their the cultural programming from Manitou. Um So Manitou put out a statement today mm-hmm. that said what, Pega? It was a really interesting and lengthy statement. Um, they, you know, mentioned it, it started off as, I guess, a thank you to both the viewers and the employees. And um, it cited some difficulties that they've had with, um, you know, inst- with financial shortcomings, difficulty you know, with finances, um, instability in political situations within regions. Um, it talked about um, the inability, to, the inability to grow as a result, and to continue producing um, content that they've been producing for 14 years. Which I thought, you know, I couldn't believe that it's, it's Manitou has been around for 14 years. But um, essentially, the the message was that due to all of these issues, it's likely that they will be shutting down Manitou. And that the timeline that they provided is that, um, you know, at the earliest, this would happen as of the end of January of 2024. So simply mm. within two months, I would say. Um, but there wasn't anything definitive, I guess, in this very lengthy mm-hmm. post. It was um, it was very, you know, maybe and if and based on these things and it might happen. And Although the way the Internet works is by a few minutes later, yes. it had turned into Manitou is going it's off the going air. It's going off the air, yeah. Which wasn't what the statement no, said. No, not at all. Uh, and um, I have a take on this. Okay, what's your take? I, take? I have a take on this too. Oh, do you? I do. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have a take on this, Rahul? Not really. Okay. <laughs> I have a conspiracy theory. I think your take is oh, you yeah. have a conspiracy oh, theory. Even yeah. better. Even, Even better, better, yeah. Do you want to start with that or do you want to hear our well, takes the first? Well, the conspiracy theory is that, um, I mean, many Iranians are saying that um, Manitou is being partially funded by the Pahlavi family. Because, um, because where are they getting all this footage from back then, and from their like pri- private footage of Farah and uh, mm-hmm. Shahzada, and, and um, also like they're p- they're promoting monarchy 
a lot. So that's the conspiracy. What does that have to do with their, their statement today? No, I'm just I'm just oh, thinking yeah. maybe the Pahlavi <laughs> family right. is going broke. Is the <laughs> okay, right. I think it, it is what it is would have uh, sufficed. But, but no, I got, no, I got I'm you. Just saying, first, first of all, yeah. you're absolutely right that there has been there's always there have been some question marks about where the funding mm-hmm. comes for Manitoba. It's always been a little bit of a question mark. It's like, well, you know, it's on the air. It doesn't always have advertising. Where's the, the somebody's funding mm-hmm. it? Whatever. Um, <clears throat> I think Kevon Abosi would say it's not the Pat Levy family, the the head of Manitoba. But um, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that that it, that theory does exist out there. Um, uh, my take on it is that for, first of all, it is very hard. Mm-hmm. to run a TV network these days. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard to run a Persian TV network. And let's remember that Manitoba is, for all intents and purposes, in contradistinction to some of the others, independent. Mm-hmm. It is not BBC Persian, which is taxpayer-funded, right? And it is not Iran International and MBC that are funded by a country, mm-hmm. a rich country, yes. right? Um, so it kind of falls within those cracks and and I think has to be recognized for its independence and it's really it's really hard to make a go of this mm-hmm. because uh, there isn't the infrastructure for successful Iranian TV you know outside of Iran or successful Iranian media this is something that we feel yes. at, as Rook Media a very 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 small version of Manitou that I completely identified with the statement that was made today uh, in fact, I I thought that what a good idea. That's a good <laughs> statement I should make about you know we're trying to keep alive. We need help, etc. Um, let's remember that much like uh, how rappers can have a million followers or a gazillion followers inside Iran, they can't monetize that mm-hmm. because it's hard for because you know they can't go tour in Iran and make money. So. Similarly, if you're running an Iranian network where most of your audience is inside Iran, there's challenges with monetizing Mm -hmm. that. So Manitou, and then the uprising came, and where the uprising might benefit a a network like Iran International or BBC Persian that are more hard news oriented, Mm -hmm. Manitou had to sort of scramble and figure out how it's going to deal with the uprising, which I think it did um, an interesting job of, it used a lot of... um, First person footage that was being sent mm-hmm. to them, and with Farshad talked about uh, how he he um, he's one of the people who cultivates that and curates it and puts right. it on the air, etc. So, it, but it, it it necessarily affected their programming. So my take on it is, and I I kind of hope I'm right because I wouldn't want to see the end of Manitou. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's the end of Manitou. I think that this is a way of saying, hey, you guys out there, support us and. You know, potential advertisers. I mean, if and frankly, it's kind of a genius blow. I mean, <laughs> to kind of go like, because now you, you know, if you if you just put out a call for support and advertising, nobody right. would listen to it. But saying, but this is news. What Manitoba's going off the air? And there's a lot of people who love the network. A lot of people who uh, would love the support of the Pahlavis that the network has shown, mm-hmm. for example, who might step up now and go, hey, you know, yeah, how can we help? For sure. And so my, I suspect. That and even some of the language. I mean, I was reading. Uh, I had it read to me, and then I was reading the English translation. So mm-hmm. I, maybe some lo- stuff is lost. But they, but even some in some of it, they were kind of saying, "This is not goodbye. We're trying yeah. to make this happen." And so it, you know, if you're really closing shop, you yeah. say, "We're closing shop. We're bankrupt. Thanks, everybody." 
you don't kind of go, you know, in the next few months we might wind down. We hope not. And mm-hmm. so I, I think this is a um, a very smart uh, way hype. of saying, uh, well, Marketing. that's what you called it. I'm not necessarily going to say it's smart. <laughs> I'm not going to go that far, but I'm going to say it's a smart way of saying, hey, you know, we're here. If you like what we're doing, support we need us. support. Yeah. yeah, You're not helping them right now. <laughs> I'm not helping them? No, no. By saying that, you're Why? like, they're going to come back. Now people who are listening to us are going to be like, That's we're right. not paying. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Now, with that said, Rook Media. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I don't know if we could make it to December. So if Go you're out website, there, every single time we say support us, yes. uh, you know, there's a lot of people who, I mean, the, the new thing is for people to say, I've, I've ran into a couple of people who said, oh, I'm a, one of your subscribers. I support you guys, you know, and I'm really like you. You're one of the Rook yeah. members. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Each month. And then they're not. They're, they're just they saying that. They follow us on Instagram. Because the textbooks, <laughs> they were back to the, they're all lying. Your audience are used to lying. I don't oh know. My. Yeah, they follow us on Instagram. They that follow must be us it. on Instagram. That's yeah. what it the is. The explanation for subscribing and giving us money each month is the following <laughs> us on Instagram. But if you do um, want to support Manitoba and Rook Media, <laughs> <laughs> we could use sponsors and advertising. Anyway, I, that that's my take on it. That's a very interesting take. You I, don't agree? No, no, no. I do. I do agree to some extent. My, my thought I- immediately when I read this was, I actually thought of what the last year and a half has done to their programming. Mm. That was one of the first thoughts that I had because, you know, Manitou is something that I would regularly watch with my parents, you know, and we would watch a lot of the entertainment um, content that they produced, mm-hmm. like the... I don't know, the audition shows and, and, you know, things like that. And the reality is, and we've seen this, you know, on an individual basis as well, at least I have with, with Iranians around me, that the appetite for that type of programming has changed completely. I mean, not to say that everyone is constantly watching, you know, 24 hour news networks and, and consuming news 24 Mm seven. But I think with the events that have taken place over the last year and a half and the impact that that's had on Iranians as a whole. Hasn't it come back? I, I don't Hasn't know if the it, desire for actually I feel like it's gone full circle where people are, are tired of the I think the news stuff. Now. I don't know if I would say it's gone full circle yet. I think it's still that kind of weird position where, you know, you'll still hear something from Iran and all of those emotions will come, you know, pouring back. And then you kind of sigh and you say, well, you know, we've been dealing with this for 40 some odd years and life's got to go on. So let me watch something interesting and get my mind off mm. of it and then back to it. So. My immediate thought was, you know, what an impact that must have had that has led to some of the challenges that they well, cited of in, look, in look they, they it was a, it's a cultural network. Yes. It's a social cultural network. You know, when the uprising first happened, nobody had any appetite for any of that. Mm-hmm. And even if they did, they weren't allowed to say so. Yes. Right? Exactly. It, it, we had Behasab Borlur on the show last Thursday. Remember, Behasab was basically off the air for mm-hmm. six months on BBC Persian because yeah. he's the cultural guy. And it was exactly. like, no, 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 we don't have any time for that. There's shit happening, which mm-hmm. is also understandable. And Manitou scrambled mm-hmm. and sort of tried to, uh, okay, let's summon our, our resources and, and see see what we can do to explain what's going on in Iran and to support it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they, they did a decent job of that, you know, yeah. very differently from Iran International, which was more the, the news, the news yes. kind yeah. of the CNN exactly. type um, approach. And, yeah. and then, of course, BBC Persian is BBC Persian. So, um, so yeah, it's... Uh, um, but uh, also the way it... The way it rocked the, the the Persian social media world. Well, that's the second is, thing I was going to add. Is interesting, given that when you actually read it, it's not as yes. it's not quite as 
the apocalypse uh, has come as as one would think you know well i was gonna mention you know again i think this is such a cultural thing is like when we're about to lose something or when we have you know someone who passes it's like we you know we we really um then start to appreciate and then we go up in arms about how oh my gosh we're about to lose this network or lose this person or whatever and that appreciation is then you know brought to light yeah so that was yeah i thought that was an interesting aspect of Mm -hmm. it as well all right so if you like rogue media if you like like to support us uh, unless you need me to do the whole same thing and say uh as as uh yeah um yeah uh, you know hopefully they'll 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 do well um thank you that's the end of our round table thank you this thursday Mm -hmm. oh i was gonna get to there was more tea fallout maybe (laughs) we'll talk about it yeah there's more comments about tea fallout well fallout from the show about tea with vasa balur and uh whether you can drink herbal tea at Iranian Mahmoudis. I've been monitoring those comments. Some of them are quite interesting. Like what? I think there was one where um, there was like, someone was like, no way, this is not, you know, of course not. Oh, yeah. 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 People are. I like these strong opinions. Exercised about this. Yeah. But uh, maybe we can talk more about that on Thursday. We have Golriz Kahraman, who is the New Zealand MP. yeah, you're of Iranian descent, yes. obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, joining me for our future interview on Thursday. We'll have the roundup as well. And um, back here for the roundtable on Monday. Thank you, Resident Raharu, the triple R. <laughs> Thank you, super, oh, I mean, smart Pega Ganji, SPG. Thank you. Uh, and thank you to all of you out there. This is full time for Rook for today, the roundtable. For all things Rook related. Go to our website, Rook Media, where you can link to any and all of our platforms, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple, CastBox, Telegram, Instagram, YouTube. And if you do go to our website, rookmedia.com, you can press that support us button to support us. We actually do really appreciate it and need it. Thanks to the amazing team who put this show together. Super Parisa, Smart Pega, Methodical Kave, Bearded Omid, Savvy Roham, Talented Anahita, and Resident Raha. Thank you to all of you out there for supporting us and sharing our content. Do subscribe if you haven't done so already on any of our platforms. That part is free. Find me on Instagram at Gian Gomeshi. Find us on Instagram at Rook Media. In the meantime, as ever, Mizun Bashi. Bashi.